findings repeated. I want to read that book about medals he's carrying around. <laughs> That's oh, a great yeah, piece, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. A book of medals. It's about metals, not medals. It's a oh, book it about metals. metals. Yeah. <laughs> book of Every medals. you've seen this film, you thought he was reading a book of medals. <laughs> I thought he was talking about medals. I thought he was like dealing in like antique medals. <laughs> the next job he's doing. So the next job he's doing, guys. He's gonna rob. He's gonna rob a museum of medals. He's working for the Olympics. <laughs> I've genuinely thought this whole time that's why he was going. <laughs> wow! Look at this Victoria Cross. <laughs> she actually says at one point like stress fractures or something. She looks at the piece of paper. in medals. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Famously. They're made of metal. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. God. Wow. Christ. Amazing. I wonder I wonder what else I don't understand about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a book about medals would be yeah. what I'd want. <laughs> the the metal metal. Yeah. Yeah, from this film. So what was going down in the world uh, when when this came out? Well, you know, let me tell you, top of the charts, guys, a song I'd never heard of. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, I like guessing. I like guessing. Wait, There's can, no, no way you'll get this. Oh, well, give us the artist. No, <laughs> give us... Oh, should we have the song or the artist as a clue? What would be... Easy? I'll just... I'll tell you what, I'll play the song. Oh, no. I okay. Won't, I won't show it, and you, whoever can see who gets this. This is a, a new quiz section of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like it. All right, here we go, guys. To keep tabs. Oh, it's uh, New Kids on the Block. Oh, he's got it. Well, what's it called? What's the song? Uh, is it called Hang Tough? Oh, oh he's good. Enough. He close is enough. good. Hanging Tough. Hanging yeah. Tough. Nice. I had never heard that song until I researched this movie. Oh, that's a classic. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I feel like I'm down. Although I wouldn't have gotten that. I okay. think if I had just heard No that. chance. That was crazy. Oh, I'm proud of um, myself. Good. New Kids on the Blockade. So that, that was Marky Mark, right? That was Mark Wahlberg's band, no? No. No, no? he was someone else. Well, New Kids on that, the Block might have had a Wahlberg in. I'm but sure that was, it was Mark. Mark oh, I guess it. it well, I, know, I think they were both in it, weren't they? Someone check. Donny, Donny. That's not what we're here to talk about. It's not. No, it's I not. know. <laughs> but we need to establish this now. Yeah. Donny Wahlberg was yes. certainly in them. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't yeah. Mark. Yeah. Was Mark there or no? No. Apparently not. Just to hang us so on. Associated acts. That's what. That's just what Entourage was about. Yeah. Just him hanging. Oh no! Here you go. Brother. Past members. Mark Wahlberg. There you go. <laughs> Bert Gummer, right? Definitely voted for Trump. Okay, yeah. like definitely <laughs> yeah, a hardcore yeah. Republican. But this movie loves all its characters and it treats everybody. There's no human villain in it. And I just thought it's got a really big heart, this movie, and that it, mm -hmm. it likes all its characters, even though clearly, politically, they're quite far away. So I just wanted your guys' opinion on that, you know, whether, you, whether that resonated with you. Yeah, I want to hear from Jim about Bert Gummer. Oh, <laughs> Bert Gummer is great. Oh, he's amazing. And, and his wife as well. Yeah. Like the two of them together. Um, like the more interesting point you made that there is the fact there's no like human villain in it, mm -hmm. and that they they sort of try and make one out of the little boy, don't know uh, the sort of sure. teenage kid by making him a bit annoying, and yeah, yeah. But it's not like anyone's turning on them or anything. No. Um, but I feel that they could have made a little bit more out of that. Like I kind of like, I find it really refreshing that there wasn't a human villain, and like I said, mm. this movie likes all its characters, even though. You know, Bert is a hardcore Republican. He's like, you know, so he's out there, 
you know, in on it with his trooper or whatever. He's out in the middle of nowhere with all his guns, just waiting for the government to come from him. Do you know what I mean? And take him down. You know those uh, college kids turn up oil or uranium or something out there? Next thing, the feds will be at our door. Sorry, time to move. Eminent domain. Down, honey, down. Yeah, Bert. Well, you worry. You're gonna have a heart attack before you get a chance to survive World War Three. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I mean, what what a character, what a legacy. He spawned, what is it, six sequels or something? And one of the greatest names in Hollywood history. <laughs> Bert Gummer. <laughs> Gummer. Sounds like a sex act from an elderly meth addict. <laughs> Go get yourself well. a Gummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> wow, that needs an entering into Urban Dictionary, doesn't it? <laughs> yep. <laughs> this really irritated me. <gasps> and it's one of the things I imagine might come up quite a bit as we're re-watching okay. 90s films on various different formats. Did you guys yeah. all watch on Netflix? Uh, I have a 4K Blu-ray. You have a 4K Blu-ray. And on your yeah, 4K Blu-ray, does it say Mother Humper? Yes. Because that's, yeah, it does. that's a voiceover, that's a dub. He says motherfucker. We killed it! You got that? We killed that mother humper! Come back! <laughs> uh, roger that, Bert, and uh, congratulations. Be advised, however, there are two more, repeat, two more mother humpers. Yeah, I, I can speak to this. I can speak to this as trivia. Um, so basically, there was an awful, there was a lot of swear words in the movie, like a whole mm-hmm. bunch of f bombs and all the rest of it. And I think to get a lower age rating, they mm-hmm. ADR'd in a lot of words to kind of cover them. So it's it was even in the yes. theatrical. So that release. ADR's in the theatrical. Yeah. Trivia bomb. Oh. Yeah. So on the on the the four K or on the Blu Ray or whatever that. There's a, a, the TV cut that replaces all the swearing, and that's co- to comical levels. Yeah, because <laughs> you can't even say ass on TV, so you have to say butt. So right. literally every ass is replaced with butt, <laughs> and uh, they, there's like there's like a smash cut of every line that they oh, no. replaced. You pineapple. The, the the most yeah. I mean, did you know that fish? The most that's did you know that Jim? What the reference that that <laughs> fish is making. The most famous ADR line of all time, I believe, that Fish is referencing is in Scarface. Oh, okay, right. I think I've I've shared this story before where in Scarface, somebody asks Al Pacino, they ask him, where did you get that scar punk eating pussy? (laughs) Right. And when you watch that movie on TV in the 90s or late 80s, they ADR'd the line to, where did you get that scar punk eating pineapple? (laughs) Where'd you get the beauty scar, tough guy? Eating pussy? Where'd you get that beauty scar, tough guy? Eating pineapple? Was that what you were referencing? You know what? That is complete coincidence. I just came out with the word (laughs) pineapple. (laughs) And it's this amazing amazing film reference. Fantastic. (laughs) I love it. I've never seen Scarface. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. If you ever come to see Scarface, he's got a big scar on his face and he's being interviewed by the cops. And they ask him where he got it. Good. Should we play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon oh, yeah. in order in, in honour of Kevin Bacon? How do we do that? Yeah, let's do that. I want to play. <laughs> so you have to get from one movie to another uh, in in six moves. So, Fish, you challenge me and Jim to do it. All right. So pick two unrelated movies. Well, no, 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 no. We'll no, 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 no. You choose one actor okay. and we have to get back to Kevin Bacon. That's the game, right? Just get to Kevin Bacon. Don't we have to connect two actors via Kevin Bacon? Fish, look up the rules. <laughs> 
Six degrees right. of Kevin Bacon. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm going to order a board game. I bet it's a board game. Right. <laughs> Is it? Six, no, of course not. Right. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> on Wikipedia. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon is a parlor game where players challenge each other to arbitrarily choose an actor and then connect them to another actor via a film that both actors have appeared in together. Repeating... It has to be with Kevin Bacon as well. What's the point? We have to end at Kevin Bacon. Repeating this process to find the shortest path that ultimately leads to prolific American actor Kevin Bacon. So yeah, so you're... Oh, okay. Yeah, you're connecting... So hang on. (laughs) So you've got to connect two actors... And one of them you, had to you, be in a movie yeah, with Kevin well, Bacon. I, yeah. No, no. God, what is wrong with you two? <laughs> Go on. One more time. The, the, so if I said Patrick Stewart. Yeah. You'd then have to say another actor who was in a film with Patrick Stewart. Right. Yeah. Right. And then the other person would then have to say an actor who was in that film with that actor. And eventually because of the law of Kevin Bacon, you'll you'll hit upon a Kevin Bacon movie or a, a film. And it's just who gets it first, Who gets right? there first, yeah. Okay, fine. So you start with an actor. Right. I'm going I'm to say Patrick Stewart. Okay, who's, got, who's right. going first? Either. Toss a coin. Have you got a coin? Uh, I haven't got a coin. Right, Jim, go first. I mean, I know a very quick route, so should I send you in a different direction? Ooh, we'll just get there. If you can get there. No, yeah, but if you can't get there in one move, you probably should send me in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> okay. God, this is so complicated. Yeah. Uh, okay. One of those Star Trek movies. Brilliant. You name me another actor. actor. Dumbass. What, what, just anyone? It had to have been in a movie with Patrick Stewart. Fuck me. <laughs> this is exhausting. I think we should just bail on this. <laughs> I want to do this now. Come on. Um, I'll start. Fuck me. God, you start. Patrick Stewart was in Logan with Hugh Jackman. Yes. Christ. Hugh Jackman was in uh, The Greatest Showman with Zac Efron. Zac Efron was in Baywatch with The Rock. The Rock was in Fast and Furious with Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel was in Pitch Black with Paul Walker. I'm sure Paul Walker has done a movie with Kevin Bacon. Go, I'm sure of it. Right. <laughs> This is this is this is tragic, right? So so really, what should happen is Patrick Stewart, right? Yeah, was in X Men with Ian McKellen. Yeah, and Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman, sure. Yeah, you could go that way. Uh, in, exactly. So, well, this, don't belittle my choice. Oh, you could go Hugh Jackman. Let's do Hugh Jackman. Yeah. So Michael Fassbender was yeah. in X Men: First of Class Future with Kevin Pass Bacon. With yeah, with Hugh Jackman and Fassbender. No, with Kev- Kevin Bacon's in X Men first, first Class. class. They yes. were, we could have got there straight from Hugh Jackman. Well, that, Fuck! That was the yeah. Hugh Jackman's not in X Men First Class. Yes, he is. He has a cameo. Yeah, he does. They try and recruit him, don't does they? He? And he tells them to fuck yeah. off. Oh, you're right. Are oh, they got then? Boom! We could have done it in fucking three. <laughs> right, yeah. that was it. That was the easy route I was trying to get to. Damn it! This whole thing's getting cut. What <laughs> yeah. a waste of time. It was great though. <laughs> Nightbreed was released on February 16th, 1990, starring, wait for it, Craig Sheffer, V and Bobby, another other than horror auteur supreme David Cronenberg, and was directed by Clive Barker. It had a budget of 11 million. No, did it bomb at the box office. 11 uh, raking... million? <laughs> yeah, and that's not including marketing, so you can smack that up to 22. Um, was 
I'd have done it, it for was, 20 quid. <laughs> it was one of the <laughs> box office bombs of the 90s, raking in only $3 million over its first opening weekend. So we get uh, kind of an opening serial killer murder where a guy breaks into a house and kills a family, including a young child. So if you're a horror fan like me, you're like, oh, this movie means business because we've killed a child. Yeah. I, no, I was more angry that he killed Captain Hollister from Red Dwarf. Thank you. That's who that was. That's who that was. <laughs> <laughs> I've been racking my brains trying to think who that was. That okay. was more disturbing than the kid for me. I was like, no, not the captain. It's Captain Hollister. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the cat? What? What cat? Lister, not only are you so stupid, you bring aboard an unquarantined animal and jeopardize every man and woman on this ship. Not only that, but you take a photograph of yourself with the cat and send it to be processed in the ship's lab. Boone then goes to see his therapist, who's played by uh, David Cronenberg. Now, did you, do you guys know who David Cronenberg is? Do you have any connection to David Cronenberg? Well, I obviously know, I'm aware of the name. Yeah, I didn't know until this second that that's who the therapist was. Yeah, uh, I also hated every second he was on screen. <laughs> he's it's an interesting performance. Isn't interesting, it? well, I mean, it's not word, really yeah. a performance. It's um, it's like Clive Barker's. Hey, David, David, just just read 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 these lines, read the things that are on the page, yeah. and just you know pretend like there's other actors doing things. It's. It's quite weak, isn't it? Although I must say, I think he's the highlight of the film, personally. Well, it's the thing; it kind of gets better throughout the film, he's isn't the best, it? He's the best actor in the movie. Well, yeah, oh, well, which the is, bar is super yeah, low. Which is a say. Yes, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying the bar is high. Thing fish, to say, but he is the best performance in the film. But why, why does okay? So, is it why does Star Wars work and this doesn't? Because it's not Star Wars. Because Star Wars is good, and this is shit. Yeah, but that's simple. That's simplistic, isn't it? I, I, Too yeah, right. I'm thinking, what? Why? Why doesn't this work? And why does Star Wars work? Because you know, when you, when they go into that cantina bar in Mos Eisley, those creatures are equally as shit. Yes, but that's the world they inhabit. They, they, they live in a multicultural alien civilization. Millions are multicultural underground. Yeah, for them, oh, not for Laurie, who's just seen him for the first time. I, I do. I do. Yeah. Even Luke's seen aliens before. I do think that a lot of this is down to the edit of the movie. I don't. And we I don't think it is because let me tell you, I don't think the director's cut's much better, Jim. But um, <laughs> well, I haven't seen the no, director's cut. I don't, I don't think, know. It's not Star Wars. But, but but the thing is though, whilst I was watching this this movie, I was very conscious of the fact that it like something happens and then very quick cut mm -hmm, to the next mm -hmm, scene. Mm -hmm. Like it's also it's been chopped down so much to try and appeal. Yeah, yeah. To, to a mass audience yeah. that you're kind of losing the nuance of like what's actually going on and there's there's just so much in that's there that's actually that... might benefit from watching the director's cut <laughs> that's yeah, when but... the movie picked up for me though oh that's when it picked up Where, yeah when <laughs> the police and the rednecks get involved I was like yes no. let's fuck some shit up <laughs> got your spanking new H&K G3308 NATO semi-automatic standard combat firepower. We carry this handy pump-action Frenchy Eliminator. It's the lightweight single barrel size. Sons of the free. They, but these aren't normal police because I don't know many police that have flamethrowers with gas tanks on That's their right, exactly. <laughs> 
Did they have a, a huge uh, armory? I'm sur- I, 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 there may even be a tank at the end. It's all a bit of a blur. Well, there's but definitely turn, a rocket launcher. They have rocket launchers. They have flamethrowers, and they all these police just rock into mid. mid it's Midian not just police; really. it's, it's rednecks as well, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's yeah like... they get the whole the whole the whole gang together. Yeah, it's amazing. And they burn Midian to the ground. They are killing. They don't women give a and fuck. Children. They're just like, let's go and fuck some shit up, guys. Yeah, let's yeah, yeah, yeah there go. you go. <laughs> then the movie changes gears again, again, and this is the joy for me. It's just how much this turns and then it becomes like it's literally like you're watching Saving Private Ryan or something the budget explodes <laughs> yeah. again you know like just like I didn't think this movie could get any bigger you know imagine you're watching you know Labyrinth and David Bowie's there with, with his meat and veg in his, in, his, in his tights and then suddenly cut to you know Tom Hanks comes in with a bunch of tanks and flamethrowers and wants to yeah. wants to burn Labyrinth to the ground it's unbelievable yeah I mean, it does really, it really shifts gears because in this like last half hour as well, we get like two naked women. Yes, oh, yes, yeah, you know. yeah. Let's talk about them. In fact, there's more than two, Jim. <laughs> I, I only count, counted, I counted two. two. Yeah, there's there's, okay. there's there's three. <laughs> really? But let's talk about them. Who's the first one? The first one you see is the smoke lady who turns into yes. smoke at the police station. I think she's in the police station. station. Then you get por- porcupine tits. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you aren't intrigued by porcupine tits, if you don't hear porcupine tits and go, you know what, I might want to watch this movie, then yeah. I don't know what to say to you. That's a t-shirt in it. If I that doesn't intrigue you, all, you. <laughs> dear listener, get involved with porcupine tits. Yeah. Can you talk about porcupine tits or describe it more for anyone else? What are you I don't talking think I about? Can right now. <laughs> She kind of looked one like of one of the X Men, didn't she? It was like right. You know what she looks like. You know, she, she looks like the first design of Sonic the Hedgehog. You know, before they reworked it. <laughs> she looked like she, she looked like a cross between Mystique and Sonic the Hedgehog. There you go. I, I, I listened to a few interviews of Alec Baldwin, and Alec Baldwin talked about why he's a brilliant actor. And the way Alec Baldwin described it is, he did it. He described it from more of a technical point of view, where Sean Connery knew where the camera was and knew what the camera moves. He knew were, where the camera was. <laughs> well, and, and he so like you imagine if you, there's a few scenes in this movie. Like once Alec Baldwin said it, I was like, oh yeah. So there's a few scenes in this movie where the camera's moving. Sean Connery will say a few lines, then the camera comes in close and he says another line, and he's kind of tailoring his performance to the camera movements. Ah. And Alec Baldwin described it as watching a man skiing. Okay, you know what I mean. Like it's just really skillful that like he's he's walking around the set and the camera's following him and he's doing the lines in 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 pace with the camera and that is a skill. You know, nice. all this yeah. reminds well, me of is that like terrible Michael Caine, like where he teaches acting in front of the film camera to like acting students. You ever seen this? Is that real? It's for real. Yeah, it was made back in like the seventies or eighties something, and it's just like Michael Caine just explaining the most basic shit about being on set. You know, just like. <laughs> They'll put they'll put some tape on the floor, and that's where you have to stand. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck no way, no shit, Michael. Interestingly, if you're doing a movie and you're smoking a cigar like I am today, a cigar don't look like a cigar on a movie camera. Let me show you what I mean. Now look, there's my cigar. Now look at it through the monitor there, on the movie camera. See? Look at my cigar. Look. See? It looks like a sausage. In fact, has anyone got any sausages? One of my favourite Alec Baldwin kind of observations or moments is he did an episode of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Jerry Seinfeld described Alec Baldwin as a prime bit of steak 
as in he's a he's on the surface he's um a real like man's man masculine but then he's marbled with streaks of gay (laughs) 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 Um, and i just thought that is actually quite an amazing description of alec baldwin because he does have these little quite camp affectations yes he does that that are very funny and knowing and and um i think i i I know i I, so i've listened to quite a lot of alec baldwin i think he grew up in or spent a lot of time in the theater around a lot of gay men and has picked up a lot of that Mm. and he acknowledges it and knows it but that's a large part of his character and his humor i mean just the fact that this whole cook you know being like i mean christ this guy's been given so much screen time earlier in the film. It's like, oh, no shit he was the oh, guy God. doing this stuff. It's like, hey, guys, let's just get another shot of that cook because we really need to make sure people know <laughs> what's going to happen here. Goddamn cook. A stuffy tough Now, yeah, I'd, for- yeah. I'd forgotten about the cook. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. So I, I was like, oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God, it's the cook. Fish, let me tell you, this is this is what a film degree buys you. It's this kind of insight that me and Jim are sharing. I love right it. Now. Do you know what I mean? It's so we, when there's a, when there's an extra in a movie, we just know we know. Oh. I think they they should have just like when Sean goes eating that steak or whatever, and having that conversation. I just wanted him to like take a bite and go, oh, "Who cooked this?" And just look, exactly. And just the just st- standing in the corner. <laughs> Takes a little bit raw. Winks at the camera. Hang on a minute. The chef doesn't know what he's doing. How long has the chef been on board? Oh, he's new, sir. He's a new chef, sir. Someone, someone sabotaged this food. (laughs) That's, uh... Oh, Christ. That's Ensign Two-Face. He's only been on the ship for a week. (laughs) Two-Face. Yeah. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this from start to finish in a Sean Connery oh. accent. Here we go. This is me and my my worst Sean Connery oh, accent. Oh, I'm gonna do this entire fucking thing because it's iconic. <clears throat> oh, he's really doing the whole thing. Need some back. Can we get some bagpipes playing in the background? Comrades, this is your captain. It's an honour to speak to you today. I'm honoured to be sailing with you on the maiden voyage of our motherland's most recent achievement. Once more, we play our dangerous game. A game of chess against our old adversary, the American Navy. For 40 years, your fathers before you and your older brother, I've gone real Scottish now, played this game and played it well. But today, the game is different. We have the advantage. And it reminds me of the heady days of Sputnik and Yuri Gagarin when the world trembled at the sound of our rockets. Well, they will tremble again at the sound of our silence. The order is engage for silent drive. Fucking hurrah! Come on, Sean. Does that not just fill you with joy? No, it didn't. Oh, your impression was great, and I enjoyed your rendition of it. It it, it meant nothing at the time. (laughs) Trivia bomb. At this point, he does a lot of exposition about. um, He basically lays out the plot of the movie. It plays out the plot of Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'm so glad you made <laughs> yeah. the Avatar connection because I thought that while watching this movie, I was like, if only the Navi had a volcano, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they could have settled this unobtainium thing so much easier. It's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it's not called unobtainium. What's it called? Ubu. I think it's called Ubu. It is the, the mineral plot of Avatar. So Joe versus James Cameron watched Joe versus the volcano, and he was like, "What if there was no volcano?" There's a mineral on that island, Mister Banks. It's called Boobaroo. 
I don't know anywhere else on the planet where you can find more than a gram of this stuff. And believe me, I've looked, because without Buberu, I can't make my superconductors. I tried to get the mineral rights from the Waponis, but I don't seem to have anything they want. But they do want a hero, Mr. Banks. And they'll give me the mineral rights if I find them one. There's, there's two movies that you can't help but think about when you watch Trailer vs. the Volcano. One of them is Avatar. Do you know the other one I'm going to say? Both James Cameron films. Or Titanic. In this movie, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But in this movie, they're are, are frequently saved by luggage that floats. Yeah. Right. And there's so much room <laughs> on this luggage that you just can't help but think, where the fuck was all the luggage when Leo and Kate were swimming in that water and had to shimmy on half a door? because they would have been absolutely fine if they just had some luggage. You know, she was a they were both big stars when this movie came out. You know, she'd already done When Harry Met Sally. Yes! 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 And he'd already done Big. Jimmy Jimmy Cocoa Jimmy Jimmy Rock and Splash. This a big secret you've been keeping from me? Is it that you're a mermaid or is there something else? And so like this was a an event and you were going to see them in the movie so i guess it was like a treat for audiences as well to see her play also i think i might be in love with meg ryan <laughs> i mean good lord i mean i, I remember it watching um in a space when i was younger and i was like sweet but i think she she switched oh, yeah. me on as it were well, <laughs> but what you i think you're right fish and what you're tuning into is kind of this feeling that everyone had in the early 90s about Meg Ryan. They, they Everyone loved Meg Ryan because she was kind of this sweet, wholesome, romantic comedy, yeah, inner space when Harry met Sally. Hot as chips. Hot. <laughs> yeah, but in a wholesome way, right? And that is why the media and the world turned on her so aggressively and horribly when she cheated on Dennis Quaid with Russell Crowe. Oh, I don't know yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, no, she, Meg. So she, was, she was America's sweetheart. Everyone loved her. Sweet, wholesome. It would be like if Julia Roberts did this. The same thing. Uh, or, yeah. you know, so she cheated on uh, Dennis Quaid. They were together. They were married since Inner Space with Russell Crowe. And the media and everyone just completely vilified her and her career never really recovered. How long was she with Russell Crowe for? It was just a fling. Oh, just a fling. poor Dennis. With the island and the people on the island. Um, that they they finally get to the fucking island that we've been talking about for the yeah, whole movie. Yeah. It is strange. And you're like, oh, wow, there's only 10 minutes left in this movie. Um, but what, what, what is it about the 90s and orange soda? Who loves orange soda? <laughs> Kale loves orange soda. Is it true? Is it true? Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, it's true. Ooh. Yeah, what is that all about? Keenan and Kel and this. Was, it, was orange soda a new thing that had just been discovered? Hello listeners, Fish here. Um, so in this section of the podcast, we very eloquently, with great respect and sensitivity, talk about the history of Pepsi advertising drinks to ethnic minorities. Um, none of it stays in. Well guys, I don't know what happened, but all our mics cut out for five minutes, but now we're back. The woke police came knocking, we had to have a chat. <laughs> But they're not interested in actually showing that. That's just the line. That's just a, a line in the movie. They're, the movie does not show us how in in what way she is like Richard Gere. Or it's not really interested in getting into it. It's that, just of course it's it is. That's what the whole movie is about. <laughs> That's what this film is about, Dave. It's about what? Well, it's about these two people who are basically doing the same thing. And but do we see her do it? 
what do, how, what do you mean see? Do we see actually see her being a prostitute? Well, no, but then that's, you know, that's not going to be in a romantic comedy, is it? They can't, like, show the graphic detail of, of what she does for a living. Then, then it, it, again, it, 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 it's, it's a fantasy, and I get that, and so I'm supposed to switch my brain off and just enjoy the movie as, like, it's, like, as, it's a Disney movie. Again, this crash, this crash sort of commercialism, because this again, that's what the movie is. That's why I dislike the movie and why I love Joe versus the volcano. Joe versus the volcano is like an artistic endeavor that's got something to say about life and the universe and like our place in it. Whereas this is just a, a commercial product that's designed to appeal to as many people as possible. As I'm saying, it's not really interested in talking about anything. I don't think the movie's got anything to say. It's well, just it, like well, it's no. a good time. <laughs> you think it's, it's what? I think what? okay. So she's a prostitute and he's a. He's a, he's a banker, and so that's exactly you know the big deal. That's like one line in the movie. So it's not like uh, it's not, the Joe versus movie. the Kano is about life and death, and like you know, well, the, yeah, you but know this movie what is happens about, after we die, and about you know, greed and and point of life, and and you know, the, I mean that's the whole point. The whole story arc of Richard Gere is that he goes through this thing about like buying these companies and selling them off and not building anything, and then later on in the film he said, "Oh, we don't build anything." And then he comes to this realization that actually doing better in his business would be better for the world. And he goes through this whole character arc because it's to do with commerce and the way that people are basically all prostitutes. Everyone's a prostitute. I think Jim just dropped the mic. He get he borrows his mate's Lotus Esprit, which is very very nice of George Costanza to learn George Richard Gere. I was so pleased to see George Costanza in this movie. You're telling me that wine is better than Pepsi? <laughs> no way, wine is better than Pepsi. Well, until he turned to rapey George Costanza, yeah, I was uh, happy to see him too. But um, he, um, he just does he just steal his mate's car? He just kind of steals it, doesn't he? That's what rich people do, isn't it? But he just sort of takes it, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean. He kind of puts up a bit of a fight, though, which is kind of weird, like, considering the rest of the movie, where basically this guy would do anything for Richard Gere. Like, he's literally falling over himself to do anything he can. And yet the one thing at the very start of the movie, is just reluctant to give him his car, which just seemed a bit out of Yeah, I mean, I, I'd do a lot for you, Jim, but I wouldn't necessarily loan you my motor, that is. <laughs> my motor. My motor. <laughs> so wait a minute, wait a minute. Had you, had you seen this before? I believe, No. I don't you believe think so. You might you might have dipped in. No, at some I'm pretty point. sure I hadn't seen it. I, I think I've probably just seen trailers and on bits on TV. I I don't think I'd ever no not sat down and watched it start to finish. All right, Jim, had you seen it before? Oh yeah, I'm the same. I'd never seen this film oh, before. What on earth is going on? <laughs> right, okay. Because I had this on a destroyed in pieces VHS tape which had just been rewound four million times I can guess which section that was yeah the, sh <laughs> the shower scene was not in a good state did you have I mean did you have it with like you know um, Diary of a Taxi Driver Diary of a Window Cleaner did you have what, what? what's Diary of a Taxi Driver I think it was uh, Confessions of a Taxi Confessions Driver Confessions of a Taxi Confessions Driver a, yeah they were sort of <laughs> adult in nature weren't they like comedy kind of is that right were they comedies um, they were kind of softcore porn, yeah, um, <laughs> comedies. But I think this well, takes a lot. Run, it's not softcore porn. <laughs> I think it? it takes a lot. Of, I think it takes a lot from those those kind of movies. Actually, there's, nonsense. There's, we're getting 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 kind of ahead of ourselves here. Hang on, so Fish, you you've obviously seen a lot of this movie. I love this film so much. Do you still love it? Really? Yes. Yep. I'm gonna watch it again. It's oh. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um. So let's uh, let's get my notes. Please scrawled in shit on the wall. 
<laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a lot to write down about this movie. I, Did I you thought. have a lot? Um, and I was thinking, you don't really, I don't really think of London as having a big Chinese sort of population outside of um, Chinatown. Chinatown, and, yeah. Yeah, and that's why it's like one street in London. And like you never, I don't really think, I don't think, I don't think I've seen any other movie with a Chinese population depicted in London. Again, there's a, there's a gap there. Yeah. And even though I've lived in London for 10 years, didn't ever meet a Chinese person, I don't think. Maybe like you used to get exchange students come in at uni but i never met any local people in london that lived in london that were chinese jim you got more experience than me i mean i have i've you know i've worked with with chinese people um there is quite a strong community like you say mainly around chinatown the the one street um but yeah i mean that that was one of the things i did enjoy watching this movie is um seeing london in the early 90s yes i did that was pretty I enjoyed cool that I enjoyed seeing Stamford Bridge. I'm a Chelsea fan. It was cool to see that in the movie. And part of it was shot uh, quite near where I live, down by King's Cross and all these like gas cylinders, and you can see St Pancras Station in the background. And so all those cylinders yeah. now are filled with like luxury apartments, which is pretty cool. So, that was cool. Yeah. So yeah, that was a nice little uh, observation. Yeah, I enjoy seeing London on film. It's very rare that you get to see it, really. Um... What the fuck are you talking about? I don't see it that often. What, London? Yeah. You see Watch the, Paddington. You see the, yeah, Paddington. Um, yeah, you see the Thames a lot, don't you? You see, oh, it's the Thames, it's the London Eye, but actually seeing a movie set in London and... Notting you know, Hill. On the streets. Crucial to my enjoyment of this movie mm -hmm. is, is this song, the soundtrack, the sort of main song that runs through the whole film. Mm. Right. Is a song called The Race by Swiss electronic band Yellow. How, I don't think I've ever experienced a more perfect song for a film <laughs> than this and Nuns on the Run. It's perfect, it's so wacky. It is a good is it song. for this movie? I don't think it was especially composed, but it's some genius went, this fits perfectly. It reminded me a lot of it sits on that same level as um, uh, Foley's theme from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah, exactly. That, mm. Yeah, it's the same era kind of sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good song. I want, to do a I want to play this song to people and say, what film is this from? I reckon straight away. Nuns on the Run. Pub quiz. I, I don't think many people have seen this movie, Fish. Of course they have. No. <laughs> You're talking to two idiots, you know, film fans here for aficionados, and we've both never seen it. You'd have to be some sort of scholar of British cinema, <laughs> I think, to have seen this movie. What was the? Oh my god, I've forgotten the name of it. The Whoopi Goldberg movie, Sister Act. Oh, Sister, Sister Act. Act. Yeah. Was there any kind mm -hmm. of serious tone to that? Yes. Movie? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It was similar in a lot of ways. She was. Uh, she was sort of. I think she was the girlfriend of a gangster. And she went into hiding in a nunnery, and then the sort of plot became that she was, mm -hmm. she became. What, what did she do? She she helped the choir sing in front of the Pope or something. Something like that, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. We'll probably we'll, that'll that'll come up on the rewatch. That's getting rewatched, Sister yeah. Act. If we get there, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hail, girls! Hail, Mary! What's up? Well, nothing you could say could tear me away from my God. My God. Do, 
Are you a young, impressionable, college-age student with a dark past, looking for luscious shower, gym facilities with a hint of the heavenly spirit? Look no further than Blessed Trinity. Blessed Trinity has been raising the brightest and best size 6 women for over 20 years. The best way to break a bad habit is to start wearing one. Join up to Blessed Trinity now. Amen. Hey, women. Um, the legacy of this film. Iconic. Fish, it's not even available to buy. <laughs> you can't get this movie. It's rare. There is something about it though, isn't there? Because yes, even there though is. I'd never seen it before... It is a well-known movie, and everyone yeah. knows I think of if it. You are, I think if you're English and grew up in the 90s, you'd heard of this film. It was a big movie in England. I That's think. a lot of people. <laughs> it's a lot of people. Yeah. If you're English and grew up in the 90s. I don't think anyone that wasn't born in the 80s has ever heard of this film. Rubbish. What do you mean, born in the 80s? Well, Because you, you kind of had to have been, you know, sentient during the 90s in British, is what I'm saying. Right, so okay. If you were born yeah. after that, you would have missed it. It would have passed you by. Mm. Oh, I think so. I'm going to start a petition to get this on streaming services because this is ridiculous. This company that I can't remember what they're called, they're called like Mega or something. Maybe we can throw it in the images of the podcast. Um, but like they've recreated the, the, the actual original packaging, but they've just ah, blown nice. it up so it's 10 times the size. So cool. it's the original packaging, the original turtle toy, just five times bigger. Larger. Larger. And it's amazing. They look so good. And they've got all the turtles out and they've got, yeah, the. You know the fly back in the back. They're, they're re-releasing all the turtle toys again in this kind of times five format. And I've looked no, at them. Tell I me just... stuff like that though, because I'll, I'll just go straight on the internet and start buying. <laughs> I did want to buy them about sixty to seventy pound each. Get oh, no, straight on internet and get straight on. <laughs> I'm going to go surf the web, lads. <laughs> they look great though. They look really good. It's that Baxter the Stockman one is the one I really want because that is that is my, was my favorite one of my favorite toys as a kid. I like turtles. It's whether to leave it in the box or take it out and play for it. So play with it. Oh, that's, grow that's, up. That's, Get it out of the box. Keep it in the box. Get it in the bath. Always keep it in the box. Let's dive right in and talk about the movie then. So one thing I really liked this time around, I mean, first of all, it's just a, will, a well-made film, right? Just inarguably, yes. like, it it bloody moves, man. It's like, it is snappy. It's well-edited. It's just, it's really energetic. There's not a dull moment. It just has a real lightning-fast pace. Now, did you guys, I'm sure Jim did, look at the credits and saw who actually edited this movie. I didn't notice the editor, no. Did you not? No. Fish? No, of course not. This was the first movie of Sally Menke that would go on to work with Quentin and Tarantino and edit all his films before she sadly passed away. Is that right? Yeah. She started, and you can tell this movie's fantastically edited. Wow. Uh, So I think she was a junior editor on it. So this movie has three credited editors, of which Sally Menke is one. So I don't know how much work she actually put in, but it's Mm -hmm. a really well-edited movie, and you can definitely see that in there so yeah definitely I wouldn't be surprised if she uh, hands are all over it because you can kind of see the uh, the Tarantino <laughs> quick fast <laughs> cuts in there there is a bit of that but this yeah. but this c- confuses me a little bit somewhat like because obviously they're taking this like huge IP that is you know already very successful they've managed to get Jim Henson and his you know creative workshop to work on it like i just don't why isn't this film being backed by a major studio like, i think it was the first it? movie that was like let's take a kid's property and try and turn it into a movie because movies have to be for everyone right so there wasn't this idea back then that you could take a kid's film spend millions on it and just make money on it being for kids mm-hmm. so that's why we have to 
take this property that's going to be largely enjoyed by kids and try and get everyone on board and enjoy it. And so that was the gamble of it. And that's why this is like, I think such a a miracle that this movie was made because it's just, Mm. it feels like, it feels like it shouldn't exist. Yeah. It just feels like it's somehow, yeah, it's like a miracle. But like you've got this ultra realistic take on the Ninja Turtle kids cartoon series. And like, it's just uh, amazing. Because I remember like the fact there was a Power Rangers movie was a big deal as well do you know what I mean that right. came out yes. earlier on. So that like, it was like that, that felt like a bit of a gamble as well it's like we're gonna it did, that didn't quite land that no. one and no. even like Mortal Kombat feels like as well Mortal Kombat to do yeah that. similar tone isn't it it's, yeah um, I felt like there was this idea that if you made a movie it had to be serious and it had to be like a bit more you're grounded and real I don't know what movies broke the bridge but obviously we're fully in the Marvel universe now I guess maybe Batman Forever helped it movies just had to be serious didn't they Batman mm-hmm. Batman Returns it's all the 90s, and then something happened where it's like, let's go big and wacky. It, it swung too far the other way, didn't it? And then it had to swing back again with, with Batman Begins and Man of Steel. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like. yes and no. I think I, I think a lot of it is, um, a lot of this movie is Raphael. It's like Raphael's movie, isn't it, really? Like, he's the big star, and I think the other turtles very much in the background. And I think you get a little sense of Leonardo as the leader and, and that. But, like... Um, I do think like Donatello especially is quite undisturbed in this film, like because he's supposed to be like the gadgets, really smart turtle, and I don't think he is. I that think in this he's film. the only one who doesn't get a significant moment, mm-hmm. isn't he? So Raphael has his all his pieces. Leonardo has his issues with Raphael, and Michelangelo has his sort of nunchuck off. Do you think that's why they got like the the, the biggest named voice actor to voice Donatello? Ah, very good. Hey, Mikey, did you ever think about what Splinter said tonight? I mean about what it would be like, you know, not having them. Hmm. Time's up. Three bucks off. No, I do. Yeah, yeah, I do think that's why they got Feldman in there to kind of give that yeah, a bit. Yeah. And in the sequel, they uh, they course correct and make him really smart and a bit more technical. Right. And, uh, oh, do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. They bring him back in a bit. Um, Donatello was always my favourite turtle, by the way. Did you have the turtle you wanted to be? I was always, I like Raphael the best, yeah. yeah. Mine was a toss-up between Donatello and Michelangelo, purely because of the weapons. I yeah. either liked the staff or the nunchucks. Yeah. They were both cool weapons. Yeah. I was just was an edgy, it, edgelord kid, you know, so I just like the, I like, I just like the edgy, dark character one the best, yeah. I just sure. like, because he, he, he was always like the gadget one, wasn't he, Donatello? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and like you yeah. say, he had the staff. That's an easy weapon to go and, you know, pick up out in yeah, the garden. Yeah, that's right. Go and pretend <laughs> in the garden, yeah, yeah. Smash a greenhouse. I did that. I reckon these days, these days, Jim's the Raphael character. I reckon Fish is Donatello. Jim's Splinter. Is he? <laughs> Just a dirty old rat. Yeah, yeah dirty old rat. <laughs> Sat in his cave. Many years ago, I lived in Japan. A pet of my master Yoshi. Mimicking his movements from my cage and learning the mysterious art of ninjutsu. So I didn't I didn't know this until doing a bit of research that Splinter is actually a parody name that the creators gave him. Um and it's Oh now, yeah. Go on. So is there the, the in Marvel Daredevil, mm-hmm. his like sensei is called Stick. Is that right? That's right. That's right, yeah. yeah. So they gave him the name of Splinter as like a parody over Yeah, the whole is that right? The original Turtles comics was just a rip off of the Daredevil comics. And yeah, like in the Daredevil comics there is a ninja gang called the Hand. And oh really? That's the foot. Yes, that's the brilliant. Foot. I didn't wow. know that. that. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. Okay. 
Hello? Dave, it's Fish. Um, I'm just editing this podcast and we haven't done the ad read yet. Maybe as it's Turtles, we can uh, get Domino's on board. Um, maybe Pizza Hut. Um, yeah, let me know. Oh, um, sure. Here's your advert. This week's episode is sponsored by Salad. Green, healthy salad. You want to be a lean, green fighting machine? Well, you got to eat some. Get your salad today and be a fit, fighting, skinny turtle. Calabungaliciously good for you, salad. 